Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. Oh, God. How are we going to be able to do this? From NPR Music, you're connected to All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. <laughs> so we pride ourselves, I think, don't we? We pride ourselves on trying to find the music we're most passionate about uh, and, uh, <laughs> and music that we love. But thanks to Stephen Thompson, today we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to play them the worst songs, at least, and give you good reason why they are the worst songs to us. And, uh, and we're going to play lots of them as well. And I have in the studio here uh, Robin Hilton. I have Stephen Thompson. Uh, they're here in Washington, D.C. I have Sammy Davis, Jr. <laughs> and in Portland, Oregon, we have back Carrie Brownstein. Yay! Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah, just for this, right? <laughs> no, for all year. Oh, goody. I begged and I begged. This is like a candy land. What? Can I just leave this in <laughs> the whole time while we talk? It's really great to have you back. <laughs> I'm not, oh, just turn it up. What are the chances we're all going to feel awful at the end of this? Uh, like we've good. had too much sugar. So We, um, we thought... Carrie's no stranger to bad music. That's right. Let's let let's <laughs> let's have her on to talk about. When I think bad music, <laughs> I think Carrie Brownstein. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> wow. Feeling so much love already. We'll break this into lots of little categories. The songs that uh, drive us crazy, and and in this one, let's do earworms. And for me, <laughs> that song right there is my my earworm and but it's you should say relentless earworm because oh, right, there are plenty yeah. of great earworms out there right. but these but, are the but ones but there's nothing like <laughs> so songs <laughs> songs that burrow under your skin you songs it. where the hooks grab you and you desperately try to let them go but yeah. n- and not in a good way that's right do you want to start mr thompson with oh, uh, with man. one well i have this whole theory that that the worst thing and i i, I mean this is rooted in an actual music theory but the worst thing that <laughs> a, the i wor- have science to back this <laughs> up got sci- hashtag science <laughs> that the worst thing an earworm can do the worst kind kind of earworm creates a tiny little loop of notes that reaches around and grabs itself by the tail and creates these loops in your head that you can't break for me and I, I don't even want to hear this song. Don't I? maybe we could just maybe we could just suggi- no, play it. Maybe we we're gonna just, play full just, cuts. <laughs> just <laughs> hit it. <laughs> just hit it, Robin. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> we should have a groan meter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love this song. Turn it up. <laughs> Now you're 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 talking about an artist that people love. This is Paul McCartney. Well, and I think that that some of these worst songs of all time are by people who are un, undisputably great artists. But right yes, here, oh, going. This there's song, a disappoint there's a disappointment factor. Yeah. Right. The bar has been set so high that when they release something cloying and clueless and terrible, <laughs> it makes it it makes it way way worse. But particularly this. I mean, the, the verses, whatever. The verses kind of flip. I don't I barely know what the verses of this song sound. 
down. Thank you for turning it up. <laughs> I, lo- I love being in control. But, but it's just that 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 little array of notes and the way it loops around. Simp, simp, simp. It, it immediately creates this tiny, angry loop of noise in my head. And, and uh, Bob, so help me. <laughs> you know, I could have brought my gong. Uh, yeah, it, it is the gong of songs. It, 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 uh, Bob, sometimes around the holidays, will play in the office. We'll just turn up a little bit of holiday music to get everybody into the spirit. And when this song came on, I ran over to him <laughs> and, ju- yeah, and just begged and just begged. I, I threw myself on Bob's And I did this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that something that you, that all three of you have, have hinted at with this is that... Can, we, the, can these, we bring the song down? These songs, by the way, aren't just, they're not just like bad songs to us. These are also songs that are widely loved and adored. Right. And that's one of the reasons right. why we... They're we, polarizing. That's, they're polarizing. That's why we, they get singled out, right? It's sort of like... Uh, you know, everyone talks about we built this city and how awful that is. But if no, if that wasn't a hit, nobody would be talking about how awful that song is. And, you know, there are people who dearly love this song. I'm not one of them. Well, there's but, a sense that the song has won. You yeah. know, that, that you're at war with the song and the song is winning. <laughs> that, that's actually more, that, that makes a song easier to hate than some, than some obscure, oh, this guy recorded this terrible, terrible song. Oh, I can't imagine. But it, but it's never it's never inflicted upon you. Well, see, I think we should do Carrie's pick next because it's a song that I I actually quite like. And really, uh, yeah. <laughs> does that mean I have to fade this out? Yeah, it does. Okay. Let's. Right. Yeah. Do you, is there anything you want to say about it before we hear it? You like this song? No, well, you don't. All I can say is <laughs> my life. Hit it. Ugh. <laughs> I'm imagining you doing a dance to the song, Robin, and it's making me hate the song more. I'm losing the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do a gift of your, that? <laughs> put on your bee costume. Yes. Gifts are sort of like earworms, right? They loop around yeah, and around. Yeah, they loop around. very quickly. Not that bad. Oh my god. Okay, gosh, so what is guys? it, Carrie? What, 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 which part? The voice? Well, it's, first of all, it's, it's blind. The it's, it's blind melon. Right. <laughs> it's blind melon. No rain. It launched the Bee Girl, which was she, this <laughs> it launched her to international superstardom. Her star has yet to fall. <laughs> yes, she's up in the stratosphere still. I. It's totally the voice. Mm. It's that kind of serpentine like way that he's singing the song it's very nasally i find the the rhyme the rhyme scheme super annoying i don't like the fact that people relate to this song makes me really angry it reminds me of every like um game of hacky sack i've ever witnessed (laughs) so wait none of you all played hacky sack either (laughs) It just, the, the song is like a stand-in to me for a lot of things hey, Robert, that, make me, <laughs> that make me feel uncomfortable. Mm. Wow. So you, you were in high even... school when this came out, and I was in... This is 92. Right? 92. Yeah, this is my last year of high school. And I will say that, you know, growing up in, in a suburb of Seattle and having, you know, 92, 91 be kind of the year that punk broke and Nirvana and all that stuff, this song came around as an affront, like a mm. real hippy-dippy version of, like, it kind of had that sort of peacenik quality to it. Listen to that, what's yeah, happening in the background Dead, right, right now. 
path. I would think this as a is... guitar player, you'd really appreciate the, uh, the chops. <laughs> Those are pretty sweet chops. But I mean, Carrie, when you're thinking about the degradation of early 90s music and your candle boxes and your, your collective souls and, you know. <laughs> okay, go. The, the, this is far from the most offensive. I mean, compared to like Butterfly by Crazy Town, how is no, this like? Because this, it's just a soft belly. You know, it's just like hmm. you just it's sitting on a couch with bad posture and just every <laughs> and everything that's happening between your face and your your feet, all that just body that's curling up it's in the middle belly. of a couch. <laughs> that's this song for me. Well, I'm just skipping down the street, snapping my fingers and waving to my neighbor. Well, why don't you pick up a used couch that someone put out on the sidewalk on your way? <laughs> oh, that hurts. Because that's exactly what I was doing in 1992. <laughs> I was going to say. It's... Are you throwing that out? Oh, my God. I do think. And I one... call my roomies to come and help me drag it away. I do think one thing about this song, to, to, to support what Carrie's saying, is that this song is an example of one that's kind of, it, it won a little bit, in part because Shannon Hoon, the singer, died. This song never really acquired the, the like, it was never really reviled compared to, like, a crazy town where, like, nobody likes crazy town anymore. That song is a million times as cloying as No Rain by Blind Melon. But Blind Melon has attained for a lot of people a little bit more of, like, a, like le- they're a little more legendary in some circles. There's a m- melancholia attached to it that kind of has it encased in glass, and it really shouldn't be there as a song. That's a blind melancholy. <laughs> yes! Oh, jeez. <laughs> Mr. Hilton, that's why I make the medium. Get that out of my top head. Of his medium, medium Get that song out of my head. What are you going to do? Yeah, mine. All right, uh, mine's perfect. Are you ready? I'm hitting it hot. Okay, it's up. Okay, that's that. Oh. We got some dancing going on here. <laughs> Blasting in the newsroom here at NPR. <laughs> there is an intern dancing. It should be noted. This is wonderful Christmas time syndrome. This is, it's, uh, okay. oh, oh, oh. well, it, here's it the thing. We've the, been the end phrase starts the beginning of the next yep. phrase. That's what you're, yeah. Does yeah, it, so wait, it's are been you going for, this? Well, I looped it before I, I, I recorded it, a loop of it. And that's the thing. It's been going for a minute. And no one has noticed <laughs> that it's, it's the same chorus over and over and over right, and play over the song. again. All right, here's the actual song. Starts a little funky. God, that's the one right there that's the moment there there are a lot of reasons for me personally to dis, to dislike this song it is that yeah that's super super cheesy key keys at the top uh, but I can't do it anymore okay <laughs> I think we get the idea. But the main reason I picked it, yeah. though, that it is such a relentless earworm for me. I cannot tell you how many wide-eyed, with, like, you know, red eyes lying awake in the middle of the night, unable to get to sleep because no can do Is this going on over and over and over in my... I actually think Maneater is a far worse song than that one, but it doesn't have that relentless earworm part. It kind of do does, it. actually. <laughs> All right, I'll get it out of your head. Hit, hit mine. Ready? It's a world of- <laughs> That's all you get, man. Oh, I, <laughs> I thought I was in control. So, it's a small world after all. It was a, it was a, it's a ride at Disneyland. Walt Disney was trying to capture 
like a way to represent all the cultures of the world. Uh, he asked a couple of people to write a little song for them. They wrote this ballad. He said, no, make it more joyful. Mm-hmm. And they came up with... That's it. <laughs> every, like every childhood nightmare <laughs> <laughs> has that song all underneath of it. You know, and it's funny because I often say of Can't of, do it, man. I, <laughs> I often say of Bob, like when I, when I talk about the contents of Bob's brain, I always talk about how Bob's brain contains a lot of demented calliope music and images of dogs in bowler hats. And to, <laughs> and to me, like it's a small world on loop in Bob's head. Is that's not that far removed from what I think of as the contents of your brain. It's so sinister that song. Yeah, it's evil. I, I told him he's a sick, sick man. But uh, to, to validate that, even as a child, I went to Disneyland in 1970. It must have been like 75 or something like that. 75, 76. Went to Disneyland, and even I, after getting off that ride as a little kid, wanted to stab someone in the face. I mean, it, it was. It imagine was... being an employee. Imagine being an employee on site. Or seasickness is not enough, right? (laughs) You're on a boat, for God's sake. You guys have talked about this idea of a loop, which I think is is really true, but there's something specifically about that song that's not just a loop, it's a descent. Mm. And I think that if you feel like you're going in circles and also somehow like going down into hell, (laughs) then that's the ultimate earworm. Awesome. So, Stephen Thompson, you started all this. You wrote this blog post. <laughs> and I'd, I'd personally like to say to everyone listening who already has these songs stuck in their head, you're welcome. So this blog post you, you put, the title of it was? Okay. Yeah, I wrote this column. I, I, I write a, an advice column for the All Songs blog called The Good Listener. And the question, it's an advice column, and, and the question was, okay, what's the worst song of all time? It's We Built This City, right? And that was from a listener. That was from a from a from a listener, and and uh, the the song "We Built the City" by Starship from 1985 is a terrible song. But in my mind, it has become the consensus pick of millions of people. We hear a little bit. We're not. <laughs> we built this city. <laughs> we built this city on rock and roll. Because that's that speaks to the heart of rock and roll right there when they do. <laughs> So go on, you were saying. <laughs> okay, so go ask Alice. Okay, so I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It's not necessarily a defense of "We Built This City," because "We Built This City" is a is a kind of tragically awful song. It's it's Starship is already a copy of a copy of a once great band. For a lot of people, it represents Jefferson the, Airplane. For Jefferson Airplane know. to Jefferson Starship to Starship. For a lot of people, it represents the final nail in the coffin of of rock and roll. That that where rock and roll had degraded to the point where it was this pompous, self-congratulatory, awful, awful keyboard-drenched garbage. And I, I totally get that. But I wanted to, in the column, take, in, encourage everyone to interrogate why they hate the songs they hate, rather than simply having We Built This City be a... Com- Can you turn it down? <laughs> no, See, I'm listening to, I'm you, just, uh, I'm listening I'm to you explain all this, Stephen, and I'm thinking, I don't know, man, this is pretty bad. <laughs> Keep going, okay. But that, that rather than, than just having everybody, having the song be a conversation ender and, you know, let us never speak of it again, I think if you ask yourself why you hate the songs you hate, you c- sometimes can come up with things that show you a kind of a roadmap to why you love the songs you love. And I'm just against the whole idea of consensus as truth. 
that the best albums are the best albums because they're the best albums. The worst songs are the worst songs because they're the worst songs. And not really getting past, well, the best al albums of all time are Pet Sounds and Sgt. Peppers and Blue and, and, and A Love Supreme and nothing, you know, and, and, and there's no other good answer. And I think encur like encouraging more of a, of a longer and livelier discussion, unfortunately, I, I like the idea of a longer and livelier discussion where we don't play the songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, the th one of the things that we think about in songs is they often take themselves too serious, right? Yeah. And, and that is often a reason. And this particular song, yeah, it's this horrible cheese bag degrading, <laughs> degraded copy of what rock and roll used to sound like. And it's all about how, like, we are amazing. <laughs> so, Robin Hilton, you picked a song. We're going to do a category now of, of songs that take themselves too seriously. Robin Hilton, you, you've got a winner. <laughs> Yamaha DX7. Oh my god. This song doesn't think it's important. What are you talking about? <laughs> it sounds like John Williams' soundtrack. It's a little throat clearing, that's all. <laughs> well, that's that. Mm. Ah, is that Lionel? When yep. we heat a certain call, when the world must come together as one. It is just so over the top and just this anthemic. You know, it's for what it's it was hard was in its right place. The heart right? was in its heart was in the right place. That's why I have a hard time really taking this apart. But my God, as a song, it is, it is just rough. And it also I, here's another thing about it. We, you talked about we built this city and how we built the city was in many ways the antithesis of what it was supposed to be standing for. We Are the World is an incredibly well-meaning song that did a lot of good for a lot of people. But it was sold to the world and billed as a song in which everybody involved had quote-unquote checked their egos at the door. <laughs> and what it is is the most egotistical pantload of self-importance. Oh, Michael. Hmm. But it's not just that. It is also... It's like, not, it's it's such like seven a gaudy, minutes long. It's, it's such a gaudy expression of excess right and a decade of excess and and here we're we're, we're going to feed the starving people of the world with a dis, this over-the-top display of wealth and like you say <laughs> massive egos and power and it's just and the song itself is just this obnoxious you know just the <laughs> okay. I, know, I know people who feel the same way and, and who I was having this conversation recently where somebody said that their least favorite song of all time was actually Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid, which is the English sort of, sort of pre predecessor of We Are the World that, that somewhat inspired it. And that it's somewhat the same thing. It's this guilt trip set to music, but also like, <laughs> don't the rest of the, don't, aren't they celebrating Christmas too in this non-Christian? Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. That's a better song though, I think. I agree. Yeah. At least there's a there's a hook in there. Carrie, so what song do you do you think takes itself too seriously? So I picked Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. <laughs> and it's from his solo album, Don Henley, as many people know, is in the Eagles, which is already a band that took themselves really, really seriously. And if you watch their Showtime documentary, it's three hours too long and it's the equivalent of somebody taking a huge dump and then being really proud of it and wanting you to go see it. That is that film. Whoa. This, <laughs> this song, this song, to go. Yeah, <laughs> this song claims to be about Don Henley's take on like network, like all oh, those, you know, the, the news just feeding us a lot of BS, you know, and it's just all about dirty laundry and it's so self-serving. 
I can't stand this song. Sound of a lindrum, I think. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Take this, media. <laughs> and we'll put all these songs up online <laughs> for you to hear. Uninterrupted by us. Sing it, Don. get any further than this. <laughs> don't you want to hear kick them when they're up, kick oh, yeah. them when, when they're down? down? All right, yeah. Well, we don't have to. Okay. Well, we'll pull it, it off when it comes I, along. I thought, it Carrie, you want like to that. get to that incredibly bitching guitar solo. <laughs> this is uh, the early 80s. Is what, 81, 82? I cannot tell you how many school dances I got down to this song at. How do you dance to this song? <laughs> like I've been just yeah, doing for the last right, minute and I, a half. I, that's we, how. Yeah, we've been watching this. And air drumming, too. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Don Henley. Oh, oh wait, wait. <laughs> Is that the... Bubble head of bleach blown <laughs> comes on at five. Okay, hold up. Wow. Now, this is a perfect example of something that I was actually thinking I was going to talk about later. Uh, a, a phenomenon of self-important songs where the artist has, through fame and the perils thereof, crawled so far up <laughs> his or her own ass that they can't see that even even the idea of how other people might possibly live and the don henley song is a nice example of of somebody who's like he's really burned by the way the media have treated him and so he's writing a song like in your face media remember when john fogarty had his like mid 80s comeback and he had a song called zance can't dance and it was like a diss track against in entertainment industry mogul Saul Zance. And it was like the idea that like listeners at home were like, yeah, suck it, Saul Zance. It's just so stupid. Or like Michael Jackson had a song called Privacy and it was like paparazzi messing with me. And it's like you have completely lost because not everybody has you have a problem. You've lost the plot. The like nobody problem. listening to this song has any idea like what that's like. So why would how is that relating to anybody? Ugh. Also, yeah, Don Henley, he never wanted to be every man. So for him to like kind of wear that cloak of, you know, just the average person watching the nightly news just comes across as as total BS. <sighs> I find uh, oftentimes it's the love songs uh, that take themselves too seriously that really irk me. I'm going to play one uh from I'm going to pull this one up, actually, from my own personal library. That's right. <laughs> from 1976. Oh, oh my God. I cannot that. believe that. I'm thinking about myself working in a record store when this record came out and despising it so much. A&M 3703, by the way, <laughs> because I wrote that number down so many times every time somebody bought mark, it. It's the mark of right? the piece. It's the mark of the piece. And uh, I cannot believe all these years later I'm playing it. <laughs> Robin's eyes are closed. He's swaying. We could subtitle this Robin's favorite song. <laughs> he likes all of them. 
I'll let this play a second. When it comes to the chorus, for Robin. Robin had hair like Peter Frampton. I did. Wait. I'm so glad I took some Valium before we did this show. <laughs> the, the, the only reason I thought when this record came out that people could possibly like this record was because he was really a pretty boy. He really, that, co that cover was just beautiful. He'd done mediocre record after mediocre record after <laughs> mediocre record. Oh, this is one of the yeah. best-selling albums yeah, of all this time. Is Peter Fra if I didn't say it's Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. Now, I, I can name a song worse than this. Okay. And the only reason... On the same Bob, record? And the, uh, well, the only reason Bob can't name it is because Bob kind of tuned out to music in the 1980s. Oh, I thought you were going to say Doobie Wah by Peter Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can name the, no, the there, was a, there was a group in the late 80s called Will to Power. And they did a medley, like a cheesy, yes. synthy medley of Baby I Love Your Way and Freebird. <laughs> and there is a point late in the song, and it is, it is cheesier than, if you remember the song, it is even cheesier than you remember it. And late in the song, they go, Ooh, baby, I love your way, cause I'm as free as a bird now. <laughs> see My here. birthday's April 10th. <laughs> We've got this through the power of the internet. <laughs> If I could do, you know, a lot of people would go back in time, they'd like kill Hitler or something. <laughs> I would take care, take out whoever invented the Yamaha DX7. There you go. Let's just assume it was Hitler. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, I can't. This, right. sh this show's tanking. <laughs> Glad it. you could be here for it, Carrie. <laughs> That's why we brought you here. Oh, my God. Stephen Thompson. Get that out of my head I'm right not even, now. I don't even want to play this song. I just want to... I, 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 Include this song to make a point about... This song being... The song being is MacArthur Park, as performed by Richard Harris, uh, written by Jimmy Webb. And it's been covered a number of times. And it is, it's widely, it's viewed by many as the worst song, one of the worst songs of all time. And the reason I bring it up is not because this song means anything to me, because I was never forced to listen to this song. That was. But because people of a certain generation were forced to listen to this song it is indisputable to them this this uh the the recording was made in 1968 another example would be uh you're having my baby by paul anka from 1974 another indisputably wretched song but i think where you are generationally really dictates what your worst songs of all time are because you were held captive by them in your youth. Yeah, but remember also that this record sold a gazillion copies. People loved this song and they hated this song. I'm going to go ahead and right? start so it. Let, let's play it. I mean, many people think of Jimmy Webb as a genius. Jimmy Webb, it's, and, th and Jimmy thought Webb the orchestration and, and so forth on this song was brilliant. And, uh, and I think I heard the story that Richard Harris bet. Jimmy Webb, like something like a Rolls Royce that said, this song is not going to sell these words, the most ridiculous thing I'm ever going <laughs> to... And of course, it turned out to be this monster hit. Yeah, and you can't define Jimmy Webb's entire songwriting career from this song, but it is... it's there. The cake and the rain and you'll yeah, never get the recipe again. And, and Donna Summer had to go and bring it back later as a disco too. Just get to the chorus. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, it, it's so painful. It's... it's it's another 42 seconds from now. Just 
breakfast pot is melting in the dark. All the sweet green icing flowing down. The other thing is Jimmy Webb. It, this is about him and a, Jimmy Webb and a, and a former lover and so forth. And, and it was in MacArthur Park, but Richard Harris, for some reason, could not not say MacArthur's Park, and Jimmy Webb just gave up on him. <laughs> Never have that recipe again. As a as a uh, as a uh, was what, what would you call it um, a metaphor for love? I'll never have that recipe again. I'll never have that recipe <laughs> wow. for the cake that was left out in the rain. I mean, I just I, I bring it up in part just because, you know, somebody who is 25 is going to name different songs as the worst songs of all time than somebody who is 55, and which is another reason not to let "We Built This City" be the only song we talk about. <laughs> um, wow. But I think it's no, it's notable that, and I guess this speaks to your point, that none of us chose anything contemporary. Do you think we need, there's an allowance for a certain amount of time to assess Yeah, this? where's Gangnam Style and where's yeah, well, uh, to, Robin Thicke? I think, and oh, yeah, I think part of, it is, part of it is... Call Me Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to pick Call Me Maybe, but I'd, I'd be eviscerated. Uh, by, well, you by, just by, did, by, though. By, by <laughs> me. But, but, but I th- it, there's the, question, the questions haven't been answered. Did the song win? Like, is it still loved? Did the, does the song still matter? We have to age into our disdain well, a little also bit. Also, that it becomes a soundtrack thing of your life thing. I mean, that it's everywhere always, and, and a lot of these songs have. You know, they've been on, they continue to be on the radio 30 and 40 years after. Well, but I mean, somebody had mentioned that, uh, as, as their worst song, like, a, like an MC Hammer song. Well, MC Hammer didn't win. Like we're not still leave the subjected. guy alone, yeah, all right? Leave He's MC broke. Hammer alone. And <laughs> he so, lost everything. So it's it's the songs that 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 just like still keep coming back that I think are are, are the ones we really need to to focus on. We're talking about some of what we think is the worst music of all time, and we'll be back with some more awful music in just a minute. You're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for All Songs Considered and the following message comes from StubHub. Tonight, some of the greatest artists, performers, and athletes in the world will be pouring their souls out at venues and stadiums across the country. Tonight, thousands of fans will lose themselves in a sea of like-minded strangers. And StubHub still has a few tickets if you'd like to join. It's not always easy to get out, but something amazing is going to happen tonight, and StubHub thinks you should be there. StubHub, your ticket out. Sometimes songs are really great songs, but something happens. You have an experience that is personal, it totally ruins a song. And, uh, and so we could put on our list songs that someone else madly loves, and almost everybody madly loves, but because of some association, that isn't true. Yeah, let's just make a promise not to get so, too dark here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hilton, over and over again, you've told me the story uh, of a song by a group we most of us love, the Beatles, when you lived in Japan. So I, I taught English there for three years, and for some reason that I never did figure out in my entire time there, uh, my classes liked to begin by singing Obladi Oblada. So I would sing that song three or four or five times a day, every day of the week, and I did it for three years. And uh, I have a little clip. I tried to find my original recording of me doing it with the class. It wasn't bad enough. You had it in your memory. <laughs> but, you had it. But, uh, but all I could find, I did a documentary for Soundprint about this a number of years ago. Here's, here's the clip of me uh, with the class. Good morning, everyone. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to do when he comes in the room next time. Good morning, <laughs> Mr. Hilton. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. It's a beautiful day. Do you want to sing a song? 
Try to picture me in front of these students as I danced around like an idiot, mouthing the words to this song. I'd like to say it was more complicated than this, but it wasn't. The school didn't really want me to teach English. They already had a perfectly fine Japanese person for that. It appeared I was purely cosmetic. I was something for the students to stare at so they could see what a real American looked like. I felt like a specimen, a novelty, a sideshow entertainer. That's pretty much how we would describe Robin. Wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, a little glimpse into my wow. my past. But that song, uh, you know, I loved the White Album. Never gave two seconds of thought to that song not being a great song yeah. until it was completely driven into the ground every day <laughs> for, <laughs> for three years. It was. A, I had a great time though. I love that job. I, I totally listened to that song three or four times. But in a day. way, it's the equivalent of you worked at at Disney World and heard mm-hmm. it's a small world every day. <laughs> Carrie, you had a, a, a great Van Morrison song down as one got room for you. What happened? It triggers two things. One is, uh, as anyone knows, when you either when you have a name that is featured as a song title, if people ever make you any mixes, especially when you're young, oh, you're a brown they, girl. And so I happen to have brown eyes, and so I received a lot of amorous mix tapes um, in in junior high and high school that all featured this song and I was just so embarrassed I would have done anything to just gouge my eyes out make them not brown or to just wear wear colored contacts or something but also I associate and oh I should say those those tapes are often um, accompanied by like a a sketch of two tigers intertwined or just some kind of weird <laughs> thing. A rose wrapped around a dagger. <laughs> yeah. um, but also there, there are these certain songs that just remi- remind me of a version of adulthood that I never want to embody, which is a white wine and scampi, like shrimp scampi <laughs> thing, which is like a couple people like sitting around like a kitchen island, like cooking and like doing a little shimmy. And there's something so specific about this song that to me just brings up that feeling of like horrible versions of, of adulthood. Hit it, Hilton. Well, a, a chill just ran through me. I mean, that, that you just described every night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> There you are. You're shaking your shoulders. Oh, God. My wife has just popped a little scampi in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're human. Did you just do a human seatbelt on her? Days when the rain came (laughs) Down in the hollow Playing a new game And we're swaying. Laughing and running, hey, hey. God, I love the song. Yeah, skipping and nice jumping. Yeah, I assumed you were gonna say that it's been ruined by montage, like montage scenes in romantic comedies. A lot of, a think... lot of like Julia Roberts tries on clothes has been done to this song in movies. But I think I am speaking to that in that version of adulthood that's very heightened and very corny. Yeah, corny. I can see that. And whatever happened. Great. My yellow lab just ran up. My two perfect children. <laughs> and you only have one. Right. What the hell are you? He's like a hydra. That song plays and another head pops out and now you have two. Wow, well, it's interesting, Carrie. I I don't you may have actually ruined that song for me. No. <laughs> My Good. wife and I are going to get in this huge argument tonight. I don't want to hear that ever again. In fact, I don't even know if I want this whole bloody mess. <laughs> no, it, I never meant for it to come to this. 
Uh, I used to work a um, long time ago in record stores. And in record stores, you often did two things. One, you when no one was there, you'd play what you want. When somebody was there who you wanted to impress, you'd play what you want. <laughs> uh, but then during the day, in order to you know, make sure you sold enough records to justify the, your existence in that played record Frampton store, comes alive. you played Flamp Comes Alive, A&M 3703, I'm sorry. And, and you played uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, which is reprise. Uh, oh, my God. 2108, I think, uh, which was the record Rumors. No one has heard this record as many times as I have. I'm convinced of it. Uh, so let's play a little bit more. And uh, this record died two deaths. Uh, the first death, by association, is uh, when it came out in, in 77, and um, I heard it over and over again. Oh. But then it died again. Uh, <laughs> 1992. <laughs> in 1992 in a, in a wonderful political campaign. I know, I know they're telling me not to stop, but <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> Back in uh, like 92 or 93 uh, at The Onion, we had a headline... Uh, Fleetwood Mac reunites, Clinton is blamed. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I've had too much coffee today, but I, I normally really, I do not like this record as and very much, and I'm really liking this song right now. Maybe it's because I know <laughs> that it is, it is driving yeah, I was going to say contrast, and we'll listen to, what, listen to what we've just listened to. Think about what we've just listened to. You know, uh, but yes. but I, I, so I'm not sure what, what, the, uh, what happened to you. You're saying it's because you had to listen to it all the time in the record store? I think there's a couple of things for me. And what, you, would, you would have liked this otherwise? I always admired... The, the skill of this record. But it's 1977, and there's the Sex Pistols and the Talking Heads and the Clash <laughs> and all these really amazing, brash, in-your-face records, and then there's this shiny beacon that you heard over and over and over and over again, and it was just, it was wrong. It was just a wrong record. <laughs> <laughs> no Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> wrong. No. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> and, and it was just not right in for me at the time, and I... I in talking about music in general, never say there's a good music and a bad music. It's what hits you, right? And this was definitely the wrong music for me at the time, and I never could... And then hearing it so many times, and then the Bill Clinton thing, there's no, not a chance it's going to get any listen from me that's going to be likable. And that you feel that way about the whole album, or just yeah, don't yeah. stop? Oh, okay. Don't Stop had the two deaths, so I thought I'd play it by, sure. as, in our little segment here about uh, death by association, but yeah. All right, so mine, you remember when Carrie was talking about how she kept getting mixtapes that had uh, that had Brown Eyed Girl on them? I didn't get any mixtapes. And so and so Aww. the song Do you hear that people? So the song Paradise by the Dashboard Light, <laughs> which sound, which which soundtracked so many youthful fumblings from people who weren't me. <laughs> That's only one. It's it's only one very minor reason that this is Genuinely, this is by Meatloaf from 1977. This is genuinely my least favorite song of all time. Wow. It's a combination of everything I don't like in music. It thinks it's awesome. It's. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> Paradise by the Dashboard Light is like, what is it? Like, it's, I think, seven minutes long, but it, it seems like 15. It goes through all these phases, and like each. In each one of them, it, it, it's like congratulating itself for being so funny. 
Hang on one more time. And Robin, that sounds like you singing it. Just God, I'm in a great mood today. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's full. It's full of just this incredibly like, v- just vapid, sexist views of gender politics too. Like she's all like, "If you love me, you have to." Oh, I hate it so much. I hate everything about it. Cause it, uh, yeah, boy, wow. And then it has this whole like baseball interlude. Where, oh, it's you know before we came in here, we all you know sort of huddled and said listen you know we don't want this to just be dumping on these songs because there are real reasons why we hate it and we, we really want to temper our views I'm, I'm glad that we sort of checked it at the door you know we didn't want to we didn't want to go too over the I was top the with one, this I was the one who was like we really should just make sure this isn't too negative we should, we should really talk about some of the, right, some, of the some of the intellectual reasons why we don't like the songs we don't like this song just makes me want to just put my fist through a wall. Is this the one you said that you were went to a grocery store no. and it was? <laughs> That's also by Meatloaf, though. There's something about Meatloaf. <laughs> I I've enjoyed Meatloaf and so I enjoy Meatloaf and Rocky Horror Picture Show, but Meatloaf has several songs that are just abominable. And he has a he has a ballad called "Cry Over Me," and it also has that earworm thing where the loop is really small. So it's "Cry Over Me," "Cry Over Me," cry. like it's like the record is stuck. I actually was at a supermarket and they played. Meatloaf's ballad "Cry Over Me," and I, I had to, <laughs> I had to, I, I put parked my little shopping cart off to the side and walked outside and waited in the parking lot <laughs> until it was over. over. Yeah, you ain't leaving this parking lot. Oh man, <laughs> I'll be over here. I, I love the image down. of you just stomping out to your car <laughs> and then just sitting there with your arms folded and pouting and just fuming it. How dare you, Win Dixie, <laughs> or whatever? It was a giant. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, no, don't even don't even get to the chorus. It's it's just oh, so ponderous and boring and repetitive. Anyway. Well, I'm going to make you a mixtape, Stephen, that consists of all the songs we've heard today. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. And, and I, you can I, listen to them over and over again. I really appreciate that. Coming from you, uh, I will treasure it and never play it. There's a whole category of songs that are just novelty songs that are meant to be funny. And maybe once or twice, uh, that could be true. Right. But uh, the thing about radio, the thing about pop culture, is if there's something good, there'll be a lot more of it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so... Um, Robert Siegel pointed this out to me many years ago when I was directing the show. There was a story we did, and uh, the dead role I chose was this song called Abba Dabba Honeymoon because I was trying to find some sort of clawing, annoying song. Robert Siegel pointed out to me that, A, it is the worst song ever written, <laughs> and, B, it's also one of the earliest songs, originally from 1917. So they were really awful, annoying, annoying songs have been written for the ages. This is a version by Debbie Reynolds from uh, 1950. It feels like it should be the theme music to, like, a sitcom about a family that adopts an ape. <laughs> yeah. But that, that sounds like that, a great show. Starring? Uh, I would... Hugh Beaumont. 
I bought I bought a uh, I bought a carousel version of this song recently because <laughs> it was even more annoying as a uh, as a uh, calliope. Um, okay, next novelty song, uh, Carrie Brownstein. This is kind of a stretch in terms of novelty, but I I will say it 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 has the same characteristics of a novelty song. It's by a band called Eiffel sixty five, and it's called Blue. It also has a bada abba bada bing or something after it, which I think is a dabba d blue dabba d. I feel like that's a that's a very common trait of a novelty song is to to use sort of absurdist or fake words to kind of make it more universal and and thus more novel. And so here is the song that I've heard a million times at the gym. Yo, listen up, here's the story About a little guy that lives in a blue world And all day and all night And everything he sees is just blue Like him inside and outside Blue push it, his push house it, push with push a blue little push And a blue corvette And everything is blue for him And himself and everybody around Cause he ain't got Wow. Well, if I could mix in Abba Dabba right here. Abba Dabba. <laughs> it's also some body. fairly early auto tune abuse. This is 1990 to uh. <laughs> Wow, so what moves are you doing here? I'm in, getting in under the table. I'm getting, oh, well, right now I was trying to get called to the table. <laughs> but this was, but, this was a tricky one, too, because it was not only a giant hit, but it was in a Volkswagen ad, if I'm hmm. not mistaken. Like, it was a, you couldn't escape it on the radio or commercials. It's so asinine <laughs> and benign. I, th- I think there's, there's that weird mix of, like, the, lyrically and thematically being totally benign, but then very pernicious in terms of how it gets under your skin. That combination is very frustrating. <laughs> You're trying to be so diplomatic. I like that. It's quite frustrating, really. <laughs> Stephen, you have another one that, that has a, a, a bit of absurdist words, yeah? yeah well, <laughs> this is just this song is just offensive on a number of <laughs> levels. It's from uh, 1992 by a French four-year-old uh, named Jordan. <laughs> Do you remember this song, Carrie? Dur dur d'être bébé, which means it's t- it means it's, say that again. Dur dur d'être bébé. It means it's tough to be a baby. Oh. And he is the youngest chart topper uh, uh, ever, four and a half years old. And of course, what ended up following is this incredibly sad story of him, like having to emancipate himself from his awful, awful parents. So this is Jordy. So he'd be 26 now. now What's he doing? I, I mean, <laughs> I looked him up, and he clearly he, there was an attempted comeback. <laughs> like it's tough to be Jordy, a team. Jordy released his first single in 12 years, and you just think like <laughs> this guy's career was ruined before he was in kindergarten. Right. That's so sad Aww. and so cloying. And uh, anyway, Jordy, baby. <laughs> My favorite one so far. <laughs> I agree. I have some kind of psychological distance from that song that prevents it from making me too upset. Robin upset us. What do you got? 
Uh, without comment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. <laughs> Did you still have your blonde locks in, in the summer? <laughs> so, uh, what is it, Bega? Lubega. Lubega, this came out, monstrous hit in 1999. The record this came from went platinum in like <laughs> 10 different countries. But didn't you feel like Mo- you just needed to wait this song out? What do you mean? Like, it was going to die eventually. Yeah, like, it'll be dead soon. It's not going to... I don't know. I, I mean, felt ga- like... Gangnam Style was a yeah, little like this. Like, you right. hear it the first time, and you're like, woo, okay, I'm going to hear this a bunch. And then it's like, all right, just sit tight, wait three months, you know. It's not like Lou Bega was, was going to continue to assault you. Well, I guess it upsets me to know that he out. made enough money off this one song <laughs> that he never has to work a day in his life. And I'm slogging into work. <laughs> Playing his music on this show. Yeah, who's getting the last laugh, Hilton? <laughs> he wins again. Now, this song, I just I just was a, another song that just felt like it just dogged me everywhere I went. The year it came out, I could not escape it. And Well, uh, you got to stop going to clubs. <laughs> I was, now, granted, the first thing you have to under, understand, I was doing a, a tremendous amount of drugs and clubbing at the time. <laughs> um, I mean, I hear I hear this Lou Bega song, and I feel like it's he's chasing me through the woods with a chainsaw. <laughs> But he just wants a little bit of Erica. He doesn't yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear a Come little on. bit of Robin. He's bumping his hips up against mine, trying to get it going. Bump, bump. <laughs> we're in our last round of, uh, of categories here that we're going to do. And sometimes you just have a pet peeve about a song, and it's not too easy to perhaps explain why. For me, mine started as a kid when I heard uh, this song. Robin knows how much I, I don't like this song. In fact, he's made it his ringtone. <laughs> you can wait for it. <laughs> Just loops over and over again. He made a loop of the song uh, that uh, Hal David and Burt Bacharach wrote for uh, Dionne Warwick in, the, in 1968 uh, called Do You Know the way to San Jose. Can you play just a little bit of the, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I just said those things <laughs> in the same sentence, right? Yeah. And is this the one, it, sorry, is this the one that you threw, it came on the radio and you threw your shoe at it? <laughs> yes, I've thrown my shoe twice in my life at, at either a record player or a radio, and uh, this was the first time. Again, 1968. Think of all the most amazing music that came out in 1968. Uh, we, we played something from the Beatles' White Album earlier. It was just such an incredibly rich uh, year. Great music by Cream, great music by The Doors. Great. I mean, there's just so much. And then you turn on the radio, and uh, and then there's there's this. And all the stars that never were are parking cars and pumping gas. 
I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I feel I, like the whole neighborhood has joined me at this point, and we're all skipping down the street together. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I didn't care at all for Dionne Warwick, but I gained my respect for Dionne Warwick many, many years later uh, in an interview about 20-some-odd years after uh, the song had gone away from most of radio. And uh, she said, I always thought it was a pretty stupid song, <laughs> but it was a big hit. <laughs> but I got to eat, too. So, so uh, you know. Well, and Grace Slick denounced We Built This City later. Oh. So, you know, they, 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 try to, they try to salvage their reputations. <laughs> she so, said from the bank as she was tossed. <laughs> Robin Hilton. So anyone who listens to this show has certainly, for any amount of time, has certainly heard me rant about how much I dislike pop, popular music. In, in the 80s and that the thing that I hated most about it was the production but uh, I'll just pick this one because every time it comes on if I ever hear it anywhere um, it just sends me um, wow this be Toto yeah there's that synth again and then yeah, that like, do, 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 the little just the same synth. same synth, same synth, different patch. You know, this thing has everything that that was pretty horrible about production. There, uh, this is Toto. The song is Africa. In case you've been living under a rock for the last. <laughs> <laughs> and just the this is this is Peter Frampton sped up. <laughs> 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 and it's just the lyrics, just the sound of his voice and the way it's recorded. It's so moist. You know, it's just... It's oh, just you just threw in my least favorite word. <laughs> it is the I've moistest, used, dampest yeah. song, you know. It's And it's just... And then the synth and the digital reverb that they have, none of which they've figured out how to finesse any of this yet. Mm. How we've used the word moist without using the word air supply <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way about a lot of air supply, but I, you know, uh, I was also in elementary school and middle school when those air supply songs came out. Before I knew any better, I was, they were my uh, entry into slow dancing with a, mm. an actual girl. For the first time, so I have a little respect for those, just because that you know. They, what did you instead of a bundle what did you dance of with? Yeah, what, what song? There was this bundle of towels that Robin had tied together. <laughs> you mean my stuffed animals? Uh, all right, let's find an air supply song that I uh, would have. Uh, oh, I think it's got to be making love out of nothing at all. That's um, the worst one. What will someone explain what that that lyric means making love out of nothing at all? Is that you dancing with your towel? <laughs> that is exactly what it is and everything that comes after. <laughs> Gross. I take I dress up. I, I treat myself to a nice dinner. And I know just how to cry. I know just where to find. You know, we've done uh We've done our Brenda Duddy, if you're still out there, I'll leave her alone. I, I swear I, I swear I wouldn't. Yeah, I think the restraining order specifically <laughs> says you should. <laughs> the four of us have done our trash eight the eighty show. We've we've kind of done it again here. We will do together, we're gonna make a pact right now. We're mm-hmm. gonna do great music of the eighties, right? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe the next time we do a theme based show. Right. Stephen Thompson. Well that eighties show will start right after the song I'm about to <laughs> okay. play. Which is This is the grab bag, and my basis for picking it is that it, it's not only obnoxious and cloying and kind of a novelty song, but it is also a ripoff of a good song. The song is from nineteen eighty eight. Uh, it is by the band Escape Club, and it is called Wild Wild West. 
How is he not arrested for stealing? <laughs> so that's Trevor Steele, right? In that video. Oh, he, Steele, yeah. He looks like uh, he looks like Tom Hanks impersonating an '80s <laughs> pop singer from that time. It, I mean, not only does it lift from Elvis Costello's "Pump It Up" to Bob Dylan's uh, um, "Subterranean Homesick Blues," and right, it, it's just it's just, it's like a pastiche of better songs delivered with this kind of smarmy. One yeah. second. <laughs> this also has like a vague like you know, ska breakdown right? to it. You know how a band comes on and says, well, this is going to be our last song, and everybody applauds. <laughs> well, this is it. Man. This is going to be our last song. Yay. Wow. It was great to have you back, Carrie, but you got to take us out. Okay, well, uh, my apologies in advance. This song, I think, sums up all of the traits that we have discussed. That, um, and all of the songs. <laughs> and all the songs that we've discussed and why we have so many problems with them, which of course are relative and, and very subjective. But I think we can all agree that this is a horrible, horrible song that takes itself very seriously, that will get in your head and uh, will have you running. It was um, everywhere and you couldn't escape it. Yeah. And uh, it just sums up everything about the world, which is what all good songs should do. It's Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire. We did just start a fire, though, however, and you can go ignite it and fuel it uh, on, our, on the All Songs Considered like blog. Should, I feel like we should have door prizes for people who listen to this entire show. <laughs> hey, everyone be quiet. There's a really important history lesson. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Dear Bob. idiots. <laughs> Robin Hilton, Stephen Thompson, and welcome back, Carrie Brownstein. Thanks, guys. We wouldn't have had this song without you. <laughs> Good night. You're welcome. You're welcome. Richard Nixon stood to make a television North Korea, South Korea, Maryland, Monroe. Rosenberg, Sage, Bomb, Sugar Ray, Panmon, John, Randall, the King and I, and the Catcher in the Rye. Eisenhower vaccine. England's got a new queen. Marciano, Liberace, Satire, and Goodbye. We didn't start the
Did you know that over 15 million people a month listen to NPR podcasts according to PodTracks podcast metrics? Check out all our shows at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.